We can, however, you know, take in in our minds, in our hearts, or apprehend much about Him that for sure it's still uh, it, somewhat sufficient, okay, in dealing with life and uh, in nurturing our relationship with Him, and nurturing our faith in Him. Man can learn something uh, of the nature of God. And we know that, Psalm 19, okay? Uh, from the nature, uh, of the nature of God. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, you know? The sky above proclaim His handiwork. But true knowledge of God can be had also through special revelation. That's, uh, that's why we have the scripture, uh, we have, by grace of God, we have the gospel message. Okay, in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have these avenues of learning much about God. Okay? So we also learn that we cannot define God. Okay? There is no logical category that can define Him. The most we can do is, is He's a class of His own. You know, logic tells us, if you had logic in school, that there's genus and species, remember that? And uh, there is just not that genus above him, you know. What is a dog? A dog is a uh, animal, the genus, right? Animal, which can do this, 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 this. So we define the dog against a cat. So we can tell what a dog from a cat, right? But they're all animals. So both ways, we don't have a category from, for God, and we don't have an example of whatever that is if there was a category of God. And most we can say, in protection of God's nature, is God is God. God, meaning the proper name God, is God. There is no category, but He is God. That's why, although, you know, logic tells us that that's a circular argument, circular reasoning. Well, we have come to the end of the internet. <laughs> it's the end of the internet. God is God. Scripture proves Scripture, right? So we hold to that. Even if some scholarly, logical person says, yeah, that's wrong, that's a fallacy, it's a circular argument. That's their limitation, not ours, okay? So, out of these concepts, I'm sorry, we also come to the understanding that God is not composed of parts. Uh, there is reason why uh, Kyle and Pastor Desmond reiterated that. I can see that when I was reading the book and studying it. I can see it, okay? It is not composed of parts. What's, what's the attribute? What's the word that we used uh, for that? Simplicity, Okay. Not because he is a lesser person or simple in the sense that he is not uh, profound. It's not that way. Simplicity means uh, he is not composed of, uh, of different parts. He is not the sum of its parts, but he is God. Okay? So we, we protect that because we don't know more uh, outside of that. Okay? So this is a concept of simplicity, of course. God is one. So there's, a diff uh, there's a di another dimension to that uh, phrase, God is one. 
God is one, there is no other God. We know that, okay, from Deuteronomy. But also there's an idea that God is one, meaning he is simple. Okay. Out of this concept, we can also ascend our minds about God as he revealed himself to us through attributes. Okay. So we, we would know him by, by these attributes. Even then, we need to be careful of uh, how we relate attributes to God. Okay? Again, we need uh, that we don't do this or uh, we don't send the message that he is composed of parts. Okay? This is his faithful side. This is his you know, goodness side. Okay? All that it's hard to think. I, it's, you know, when I was thinking, how can I express this to a non-believer? It's really hard. But thankfully, uh, we have enough to understand uh, what to protect his nature, to protect our understanding, to protect against heresy. Okay? So we maintain that God and his attributes are one. It is a common statement in, in, in theological you know, circles. Uh, that God's attributes are God himself. This is where our speech and other modes of expression fall short. Okay, so now we see that. We had a word for that, you know, against he is comprehensible, but he is also in, ineffable, right? Our expression, written or, or language, falls short. So this is that principle that we should be carefully speaking about God's perfection, that we do not diminish, that by thinking that He is composed of parts, and at the same time we uphold that there are some distinct ideas that we can express. Okay, that's the tension. He is not composed of parts, but we can, but we can discern and uh, appreciate ideas about Him. You know. That's like what I said. We, can, we know what faithfulness is. We know what uh, goodness is. We know what sovereignty is. We know what is uh, providence. Okay? But as I said, these are not parts of God. Um, so last week, we talked about uh, a lot of these things. Simplicity, eternity, immensity, immutability, impassibility, you know, infinity. Uh, but God is not the sum of all that. God is God. His essence and His attributes. Here's a good one. Um, I'm sorry. I forgot who to credit this to, but it's not mine. His essence is in His attributes. And His attributes are in His essence. Okay, I hope that helps. <clears throat> so uh, we come to a category of attributes now of God that we call his relative attributes, okay? Uh, now, there are a few system of categorization that we as men, as a student of the word, uh, has come up with, have used over time. This particular one, relative attributes of God, uh, is often distinguished apart from his absolute attributes. So. And other categories, uh, very common uh, in, in the academe, also in reform circles, is that the communicable and the incommunicable. Okay? And there's others like that. 
And let me just uh, put uh, in preface that we also need to be careful of those categories, simple for the same reason that we don't, uh, you know, uh, send the message that we can categorize God. Okay, even this category uh, categorization uh, falls short; they're not perfect. Okay, so absolute attributes are those uh, attrib- God's attributes that are solely His. Okay, like. Uh, they are cons- um, uh, that are uh, hard to explain this, but, but this is uh, considered only. Um, let me read it. Absolute attributes are those attributes that is considered in itself. It is what it is. Okay, sort of a it stand on its own. Uh, it, it doesn't need it, require anything else but God Himself. Okay, like omnipresent. Okay, I'm sorry. You can understand that better against, we can understand better if we understand the relative attributes of God. Okay? The relative attributes of God, this will put you in the perspective, are His attributes as He relates to creation. Okay? So now, absolute is it's not that, it's the opposite. I hope you see the distinction. So these relative attributes they are considered in relation to his creation. So, examples of that is, he is the creator. So creation is in there. Uh, providence, okay. He is uh, uh, providence is uh, how he governs what he created. Okay, so it's in relation to his uh, to nature, to creation, to us. Sovereignty. Uh, there is goodness. Okay? We know God is good all the time, 24-7. Well, even beyond 24-7, because 24-7 denotes time, and we know God is beyond time, right? Uh, mercy. That's how He relates to us, right? Without mercy, hope. Forget it. Yeah. Redemption, of course. And... Uh, and justice. Those are the seven that uh, we will be going through. I'll take uh, I'll, uh, today. We'll talk about the first four. Okay, you might find that these some call it properties, okay. uh, attributes of God are easier to understand. As I said, or better yet, you might find yourself. We find ourselves struggling less than the past couple of weeks. <laughs> Okay, in wrapping our thoughts around these uh, concepts, it doesn't mean that they are lesser attributes or minor attributes. We just have an easier time relating to them since we are directly involved in them or we encounter them in our lives. Some, if not most, of us probably understand the, what these are to a degree. Okay. Um, Creation, providence, sovereignty, goodness. Some, uh, if not most of us, probably uh, struggle. Nevertheless, my aim is uh, we should be blessed today, once again, by these ideas, by who God is, and perhaps we can learn something new. Okay? So, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, for this... uh, Last week, uh, we asked you to eliminate us for this next lesson. Uh, Thou, uh, we have encountered them, refresh our minds anew.
our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. God created all things. Okay, the first of these attributes is creation. I like the way, the way James Renihan, there's, there's many, many books, many uh, sermons about God's attributes, right? And one of our beloved one is uh, the one with Arthur Pink. And uh, so they come from different approaches, different perspectives. So I, I like how James put it here, especially in the first four. Give me a different perspective as well. So the way he highlighted it is for these attributes, there is an uh, uh, equivalent name. I think we, I might have been absent that day that we talked about name of God. Did we talk about name of God? No. Names of God. Uh, probably not. No. Okay. Yeah. I didn't get to that part. Okay. Yeah. There's a, a small, uh, smaller portion there. We talked about names of God. You know. Almighty, El Shaddai, things like that. He's the creator, right? So, the way uh, Renihan, okay, if you read the book, it's, it's this, this particular topic is uh, short. So, when I saw it, it's like, okay, <laughs> this should be easy. <laughs> nice, but it's, it's profound in that way that uh, for each of these attributes, there is a corresponding name of God. Creation. Creator, right? So, God created all things ex nihilo. Ex nihilo is out of nothing. What does that mean, right? Let me just read, uh, quote what he said here. Very short. Uh, <clears throat> um, things that he says about it. Existing outside. Okay, ex nihilo means existing outside the limitations of time. There was no time in which God was not creator. Okay. When creation began to exist, when, be, when it started to exist, then the relation between God and creation also began. Okay. Nevertheless, the creatures pass from non-existence to existence in the act of creation. No change took place in God. In a way... I'm sorry, in any way, by the act of creation, no change happened to God. God therefore bears the title creator rightly. Okay? Notice how we protect that God's immutability, our idea. Okay? God is perfect. He doesn't need uh, protection. But our idea, our uh, understanding of Him uh, is protected. Uh, Always, uh, I, what I can see from James, okay, no change took place in God when He created all things, okay, heaven and earth, by way of creation. He is the Creator. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. That's probably one of the hardest things to define. Nothing. Okay? So, <clears throat> even there, okay? The richness, the riches of knowledge that we can attribute to God, okay, is very hard and we fall short of explaining. In contrast to nothing, it's still hard to explain, okay, because uh, of the comprehensiveness of God, that nothingness, I guess, puts us in, in a 
in a way that uh, relatively we have no concept of what it is, okay? Close your eyes and what do you see? I see black and some dots. That is nothing. You still see something, right? And even uh, this statement, he said, nevertheless, thou creatures pass from non-existence to existence in the act of creation. Okay, no change to place of God. But how does that happen? If can can creature pass from non-existent? How can he pass when he didn't exist before? You see that? I struggle with that, but I I know the idea. Okay, I know the idea. There was nothing. So see how our how uh, our heart should feel when we encounter that God created out of nothing. See, it should put us in awe. How does that work? But the scripture is true. Okay, scriptures are true. So, I'm just going to say on okay. that point that's parents um, can relate to this. Like, you know, say a lot. We'll ask that question. Like, how, how did? Yeah. How is there nothing? Right. Now there's something. You're like trying to wrap your mind around. Like, how am I <laughs> yeah. So you, you find that you, you fail even to try to adequately, you know, like explain it in such a way that you know a child can understand it. Yeah. Um, and yet we ourselves struggle with this. Like, I get my mind around that reality. So, yeah. 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 It's a wonder. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna throw. This is a fresh thought. I'm gonna throw a wild one. Yeah. God created nothing. Created sense. nothing. That doesn't make sense. Make sense. <laughs> yeah. But it sort of parallels what you're saying. He is such a creator that in the beginning or before the beginning, yeah. he created nothing. Yeah. He didn't have to create to be a creator. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to leave. <laughs> I'm getting it off myself. <laughs> so that we fall short. We stumble in expressing that concept, okay, of creation because of. Of, of, of the things that, you know, the basis of, of, of that. So, but what probably would help us is that uh, God is the creator of all realities outside of himself, okay? This exists, okay? Yeah, for, forgive me, God, but this exists. I don't want to confine God this way. And outside of himself, there is nothing, okay? And then God created all these realities outside of himself, okay? Outside of himself. This includes physical stuff, concrete stuff, table, chairs, you know? I mean, those are second causes, meaning somebody did that, but then if you trace it back, they find its origin in nature, right? So that's what I mean, concrete stuff. <clears throat> Created, we know, we learned, we, God created space, okay? Time, the universe, it's a vast space. <clears throat> to him, he just spoke it, and it, it came, okay? For us, it's vast. Time, wow. How many movies has there been about time, time travel and everything? It still doesn't fit, right? <laughs> time travel, what is the paradox of time travel? People struggle. Um, our term for it, uh, loopholes. You know, there's, there's loopholes in that story because it just doesn't work. But time, uh, time, as God created, has order. You know, has, has minutes, days, months, 
has it in order. And then, you know, time, we, as we know it, is relative to space, you know, the moon, the rotation of the earth. But then it, it works as a whole in the universe, in what we call his economy, right? So, if my thoughts of that, if you, if you try to explain space and time outside of God, then you'll stumble a lot. But if you put that in the context of God's creation, well, it makes sense. Our hearts, our knees bow down before Him in awe. Okay? So, <clears throat> yeah, even, even things like, this might come up in your conversation, abstract things He created. Abstract things like numbers, you know? Numerals. This idea of five. Where does that come from? You know, concretely we can see this is five. But that idea of five, logic, we came up with, uh, you know, this, this proper way of thinking, a proper way of reasoning. This is an abstract thing, not tangible. This is outside of himself, you know. He, in and of itself, is, uh, has the vastness of ideas. But ideas uh, are created. Everything is brought into existence by God. So that's creator. Okay? So as I said, these are uh, things we have encountered before, attributes of God, creation. In LBC, uh, London Baptist Confession, 1689, we, we see this as our lesson there. In the beginning, it is pleased God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the manifestation of the glory of His eternal power, wisdom, and goodness to create or make the world world and all things therein, whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days, and all very good. Okay. I want you to focus on, on the purpose there, the purpose of creation. You might be wondering. <laughs> For the manifestation of the glory of His eternal power. Manifestation. Okay. Wisdom and goodness. Yeah, um, yeah. I would suggest, be uh, as we are students of the Word and our understanding of the Word is to re go back to our LBC, okay, London Baptist Confession, and there's a lot of references there that you can start your studies as well. So I would just refer you to that. But, so, <clears throat> since God is all sufficient in and of Himself, creation did not add anything to him that he did not possess rather creation displayed and manifested his glory to others Psalm 19 I said that earlier the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork manifestation it's to to make it uh, to make our senses uh, appreciate them okay eyes ears smell all that senses the heavens, the sp space, the sky display the glory of God. Oh, how long can we sometimes stare in the night? Okay, uh, sorry, this is a quote by. Uh, mm. Mm. Okay, I must have deleted it. Somebody oh, over there. somebody. Okay, not mine. Quote, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. That's a quote from the Bible. 
Okay, this, the heavens, space, sky, display the glory of God. Oh, how long can we sometimes stare in the night to the beautiful starry heavens? Or how are we struck with amazement when we see pictures of outer space and pictures taken by the Hubble telescope? All these things, which are normally out of our visible sight, still bring glory to the Creator. When we see them, we are filled with awe and reverence for the Creator. Creation is actually meant to display the glory of God to us. Okay? And uh, Isaiah gives us a vision. Uh, Isaiah, a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he says, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah 6, 3. Uh, the host of heaven worships and praises God with those words. Host of heaven, the army of heavens, okay? The earth does not merely contain his glory, but is full and filled with glory. We should see that distinction. His holiness is displayed. Now, so this is the purpose in creation, okay? It is for our benefit, right? We live, and we will discuss this in, in Providence, but first and foremost, it is for His glory. <clears throat> so, and that's, that's rich in, in theology as well, talking about that glory of God and how creation relates to the glory of God. That's another topic, another book. Okay. <clears throat> Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. There's a direct relationship there. Okay, that's what's establishing. And by your will, they existed. Words of creation existed and were created. Okay. Now, when God says that He created us for His glory, it cannot mean that He created us so that He would become what, more glorious. Be careful of that. Okay, He is sufficient. He is perfect on His own. There is nothing to add. Uh, so it is unthinkable that God should become more perfect okay, by our language. It's not that. He never came to being. Uh, we talked about potential, right? Kyle talked about potential. That there is, you know, just like the way we use potential. He, oh, he's got so much potential, right? To our children, right? <laughs> God is, doesn't have that. He, he, I can't even say he, he already attained that. He can't say already because he is like that. I can't even say from the beginning. <laughs> you see, our words, God is God. That's all we can say. Okay. I hope you understand that point. We, I think uh, Kyle and Desmond have very uh, uh, clearly uh, expressed the limitation <laughs> that we have. <laughs> Clearly and limited. <laughs> we keep stumbling on this. Okay? Yes, ma'am. So, I'm new to the place, so correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. But, like, if I walk into a room and I want, like, when I move into a house and I want to decorate it, everything is a clear camera, I go to the supermarket and I get everything that I want or I go to the, to the store. Or whatever I need. 
principles within, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Because it's from with him that he creates everything. From him, you know, the word, yeah. and everything that he has created has come from him. Yeah. He doesn't have to go outside to get it because he already has everything from Okay. Not from the beginning. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, you know, what I'm, yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Make it things worse. <laughs> uh, well, I can see the struggle. Okay. <laughs> the struggle. <is> real. <laughs> the struggle. Yeah. Well, let me understand. Whatever he created, whatever power or resources that he needed, okay. Well, we can't even say resources because he did it out of nothing. When we say resources, is his power, right? His wisdom. Those two is, is, is very uh, much associated with his creation. When you see creation, is power and wisdom. So that's within himself. I think that's what you're saying, right? That's what I was trying yeah, to say. Yeah, but the, whatever else, material things that he needed, we be careful of that because of that word, ex nihilo, nothing. He didn't need anything. Uh, material resources to create things. Does that make sense? Yeah. But within himself, he had, he has power and he has the wisdom to create all that wisdom that we, you know, we can't do. You know, we create things. You know, before we, in in, in growing up, we had distinction of creating and making. You know, we make things and he created things, but. That gets muddled over time, those words, you know. Art people are very creative, right? But we talk about that in a different uh, sense. But I hope that helps. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> okay, that's number two, providence. Ooh. Okay, fast forward here. Uh, let me quote Rennie Han because he, he just had an excerpt of this. Uh, I, I guess, not excerpt. But these are rich. As I said, the way he does it is he, he uh, associates God's attributes to a name, right? Creation, creator, providence. Uh, God in his providence preserves, guides, and governs all that he created. Okay, it makes sense. For your frame of mind, I, God created something, now I manage it. Okay? Yes. In simple terms, uh, we can... Uh, Appreciate it that way. He does this for his own glory and for the good of his elect. Okay, now we come into the picture as well. Uh, this providence is the development. I struggle with this. Okay, listen to this. This providence is the development of God's decree. Developments of God's decree. God's decree is, you can uh, look at it as his commands. Okay, his will. God's decree. He commands. Let there be light. Okay, boom. <clears throat> this providence is the development of God's decree, not a succession of actions on God's part. So now we attribute the title governor, okay, providence governor, to God. We should not infer from that title the idea of successive distinct actions. Okay, let me uh, evaluate myself because I struggle with that. Did you? Yeah. Who can first say? <laughs> I, I finally figured it out. <laughs> okay, so let there be light. Help me. Maybe, okay, Pastor, that's, help me if I'm straying here. The way I understand that is when he said let there be light, boom, okay? He didn't go 
let me get a battery first step number one okay step number two get the flashlight step number three put the battery in there secure it step number four step number five turn it on succession of events right but he says let there be light boom okay so when he does providence the way he governs our lives right the way he guides it the way he preserves us he doesn't that's i think the concept that he doesn't go oh let me bring him this way let me bring him that way oh be careful that step right there okay but he commands it he decrees it it happens is it yeah yeah he had this much <laughs> he must have uh, assumed that uh, he, he, he thinks highly of us <laughs> but he, it's good it's good concept when I see that concept oh yeah I never thought about that okay okay I hope you appreciate it that way too okay he very much does he can do I wouldn't uh, disagree that he can do things step by step right little things in our lives you know he, he counted the hair you know the stars he can participate in details of our life but providentially, it is, uh, he can do that, uh, just will it, and it happens. Okay? So, the uh, Eidelberg Catechism, question number 27, helps us here, the, uh, in terms of providence as a whole. The almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth with all creatures in it, and so governs them that herbs and grass rains drought fruitful and barren years meat and drink health and sickness riches and poverty all things come not by chance but by his fatherly hand are not two sparrows sold for a cent and yet not one of them will fall to the ground what apart from your father he knows okay he governs he uh, uh yeah, he guides and uh, there's a word I'm looking for. Excuse me right now. Okay, that's Matthew 10, 29. Okay. Uh, this is my bit here. I was struggling with some ideas also and I was listening and uh, reading this. It brings the idea that uh, as we relate that to the glory of God, right? He, he, governs, he governs for our good and His glory. Uh, possibly I submit uh, let me possibly this will give us an idea if, if God was to withdraw his active providence his governance his, his the way he uh, orchestrate things around us if he was to withhold that right what do you think will happen to creation right it was yeah you know, at, uh, nuclear explosion nuclear Unravel. Okay, unravel. It will be, uh, you know, at best chaos. Yeah, worse, it will just annihilate itself. You know, these are concepts that uh, we, we might come to idea, but it makes sense. Why? If uh, uh, okay, if we submit to the idea of deism, where, where God created everything. And then he pulls back and I say, see what happens. That the de deism, right? <clears throat> uh, 
it's hard to think that way because of this idea. What will happen if God will pull back His providence, okay, His, his guidance for us? If the world survived for some reason, the universe, let's stretch our mind, without God's providence, who would you attribute that to? Okay? And God is not God. Does that make sense? Okay? If the world survives without His providence, then who, who gets the glory? If we trace back to creation, he did that for that purpose. Therefore, he is active okay, in creation because he wants his glory. Okay, I, I hope that puts you in a, in a perspective right there. Okay. <clears throat> if he is passive and heaven and earth is able to survive and continue and govern itself, then this will not bring glory to God. This will not make sense under God, under his creation. Okay, moving on. Sovereignty. Sovereignty so means uh, supreme ruler, right? Uh, sovereignty. Oh, this is, I like this. Okay, creation is the creator. Providence is the governor. Sovereignty, he is Lord. Lord, okay? He controls all things. Controls all things. It's kind of associated with providence, but this... Uh, uh, Sovereignty has something to do more of, uh, uh, of justice, okay? Consequences, judgment. It's more like that. Sovereignty is the way he rules as king. God created all things, preserves all things, redeems the elect, and punishes the wicked. Therefore, God has supreme and absolute dominion over his creation, and we rightly call him sovereign and lord. Uh, Romans 9.20 But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? You can't say that. Okay, You can't say that, but you will not have favor with God. right? The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Proverbs 16.4 Every creature depends on God for its being its existence and its well-being god has absolute authority and direct dominion over all things that's uh Renihan spoke so the sovereignty of god is the same as the lordship of god for god is the sovereign over all creation the major components of this uh, attribute is control i said authority and his presence his, his presence uh Covenantal presence, his arrangement between us and, I mean, between him and his creation. Okay, those, those three are packed in there. He is Lord over creation. He exercises his rule. This rule is exercised uh, through his uh, position as king. Okay, king rules. He's an executive. He executes things. His control over things, his presence with his people, and through means, okay, through means. That's how he governs through means, through through people, through through his creations, creation. Yes, he can just do it like that, but he, in his wisdom, he makes use of us and creation. The divine name Yahweh, okay, 
express this sovereign rule over against the claims of human kings, such as, you know, what happened to Pharaoh, right? <clears throat> yeah, Exodus three ten to fourteen, the, when Moses confronted Pharaoh. Okay, so you see the contrast that that Pharaoh was uh, considered as formidable king on earth, but now God is. Uh, we can. You know, it goes without saying now to us that God is over Pharaoh as well. But back then, uh, that concept was, oh, really? Okay. And Pharaoh, they see him not just a human, human uh, being. You know, he's uh, the way they see him, the Egyptians back then, that he is a God on earth as well. Okay. False God on earth. <clears throat> His control. God's control means that everything happens according to His plan and intention. Authority means that all His commands ought to be obeyed. Presence means that we encounter God's control and authority in our experiences so that we cannot escape from His justice or from His love. Does that make sense? Okay. It's like, uh, I rule and you have to be, obey my rule. Providence is more like what you need uh, how you how lives are orchestrated okay now we have to manage that with his rule as king the executor okay <clears throat> proverbs twenty eight thirteen says whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper but he who confess and forsakes them will obtain mercy why did i say that okay hides conceals we cannot hide from his rule just like you know adam and eve where would they go where would you go Okay. Psalm 69 5. God, you know my folly and wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. So he has absolute rule. When theologians talk about divine sovereignty, they usually have the first of this in mind, you know, control. Indeed, the Bible teaches that God controls all things, He has an eternal plan for all of nature and history. Ephesians 1, okay, 9 to 11. That's quote for, uh, from John Frame. He has an eternal plan. From a uh, limited time, it makes sense. He created. He guides his creation. He controls his creation. Okay. Uh, he has a plan for all these things. Okay. Fourth, goodness. Okay. I'm going to go fast on this. This is probably one of the attributes that we like most. <laughs> we can relate to it and we like his goodness right we don't want to be on the on his side of wrath we like his goodness god does not have goodness okay why did i say, say that based on our lessons before right how do we know god there were two big categories by revelation we know that and the other one is by reason by the way, way we think Okay, by the process of, of, of our minds. And out of that, yeah. The sky. The sky, okay. Yeah, revelation. Yes, example of that is revelation. Yeah, example of reasons. Under reasons, we, we struggle with that too. There are three categories there. One is the first cause, remember that? The negation, maybe you'll remember the negation. And the imminence. Okay, imminence is, this is what it's talking about. God does not have goodness, but God is good, right? He is the superlative of all that. 
God is, does not have holiness, but He is holy. God does not love only, but He is love. That's why I pause there. God is good of Himself and is the measure of all goodness. The title that we Benihan ascribes to this goodness is that He is a benefactor. Okay, He 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 is the one that gives us benefits. We are the beneficiary. Make sense? Okay, goodness. Okay, that's the title. Psalm 107, that we have a lot, plenty. It's hard, it's not hard to grasp the idea of God's goodness because we know uh, it's, it's those, the other term that we use is that communicable. We share this attribute. We have this attribute to a lesser degree. But God's goodness is perfect. So it's easy for us. Uh, 107, Psalm uh, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Okay, Hosea 3, 5. Afterward, the children of... I like this, but I can't remember why I like this. <laughs> but it'll come to me. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to His goodness in the latter days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because this was... Uh, the background is this, is that, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That is Nahum, okay? Nahum 1.7 says, the Lord is good. That's the one I like. Because the background is that, is that God is judging, okay, Nineveh. And uh, there's wrath there, words of wrath, words of battle. And at the end, also, uh, his anger is manifested. But in the middle, it says that the Lord is good, Okay. So he's not only good uh, during good times. Okay, his will, whether it is ju- by judgment, is also good. Okay, uh, out of time. Sorry. As stated earlier, the Lord reveals His goodness in His benevolence to His creation. God's benevolence is the kindness the Lord bestows on all people, includes such things as His rain. Uh, the waters, uh, the just and the unjust. Uh, God has specific love only for believers, and by this love, He works all things for the good of His people. Okay, John 1 and Romans 8, the assurance that we have in Romans 8. His benevolence, however, is more generalized display of goodness that is not the love that leads to salvation. The love to salvation is specific. That is also uh, a manifestation of his goodness, salvation. Okay, and also there's a concept, uh, a concept that God is our benefactor, therefore he is good, and also the concept that he is good in himself. He did not create sin. Okay, he is good. Let me pause that. that that's rich also, but we see that in James, one, that he did not create sin. He is good himself. Sorry, I went over. Um, quick question, concerns. Okay. It's not a question, but just a comment. Um, we talk about we were talking earlier about the um, God's presence and His providence, and scriptures say, uh, "Where can I go where He is not? Can I descend to Sheol? Can I go to the highest heavens? Yeah. He is not there." So God rules and governs everything He created. Um, then if everything outside of God is creation, then there is no, there's nowhere in creation that is escaping, uh, that we're able to escape from God. 
even when we think about um, heaven and hell, which um, you, know, you can't, if you dig deep enough to the core of the earth, you won't find hell. But yeah. it's, it's not in that sense it's a, a spiritual uh, place. Um, yet, not even there is God's presence. Yeah. Escapable. Yeah. You can't escape from it. Yeah. I was thinking about also the, the goodness of God. I think one of the reasons people love like buffets is not only how much food it is, but you can just eat, 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 eat. It feels like it's inexhaustible. But uh, when you think about the goodness of God, we, we, we don't take some of it and it runs out. We yeah. take a little more and it runs out and yeah. eventually it's gone. But yeah. God's goodness is inexhaustible um, because he is, you know, he is good. So it's never something that you sort of tap into and eventually it runs out, but yeah. it's constant um, as, as he is constant. That's good to know that he doesn't need to apportion his goodness. Oh, it's this, it's this time, this time. You know, hold on, Artie. <laughs> I'm running out of goodness. No, it's inexhaustible. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Okay, it was, it was a good lesson for, for us. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time, and thank you for uh, teaching us your uh, your uh, the doctrines about you. Help us understand even more. Help us enjoy you more this way, Father, as we know more uh, of the lessons. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.